I need two helpers. Got one, brilliant. It's really simple what you've got to do. Okay, one other person. Okay, probably someone a bit older than Arthur. I know that's brilliant. Okay, right, what I want you to do, one of you stand on this side, one of you stand on this side, look at each other. Okay, what I want you to do, okay, please can you describe this book to me as you can see it? Okay, so what can you see? Anything else? No. That's all you can see. Okay. Lewis, can you describe this book to me, please? Uh, it's a Bible, it's dark blue, and it reminds me of broken memories what Jesus. It does that all just from looking at the front cover? Mm -hmm. Wow. What else can you see? Tell me just about the front cover. What can you see? Um, you could see gold and blue. Um, that's, it. that's it. So you can see dark blue, you can see gold as well. Okay, interesting, interesting. What about if I did this then? Okay. What can you see now, Lewis? Back. See the back as well. Anything change? Yeah, that's the gold is in, is on the front, not in the back. Okay, so from your side, one side's got gold on, one side hasn't. Anything change for you? It's now white, not blue. And it's got white pages, and there's numbered pages, and there's writing that's black. Interesting. Thank you very much. Now, you can go take a seat. I'll explain what I was doing there. So, each of us sees things differently, depending on how we're looking at it. If we look at the Bible and only look at the back, all we see is a dark blue back cover. If we look at the front, we see a dark blue front cover with some nice gold writing. If we open the Bible, but still only look at that side, we still only see blue and gold. If we open it up and look on the inside, we start to see some words. Now as you start to read those words and try and understand what they mean, what you view about the Bible begins to change because it puts pictures in your mind of the stories that are told. Maybe you think about some of your own experiences and you think, well that's similar to what I've been through. Or, ooh, I've seen a film and that doesn't look very nice and it reminds me of that film. So there's all sorts of different perspectives that people take. Now today we are looking at, we're having a day where we talk about our church vision. And uh, what I want us to do is to be aware, first of all, that it's not our vision. The first thing to say is I want this to be God's vision. And that's quite a significant difference. We can easily say, oh, this is our vision. We want to own it. We want to, we want to hold on to what God has given us. But first and foremost, we need to realise that it is God's vision. Now, I don't know what you're feeling and thinking about today. Some of you perhaps remembered that it was our church vision day. Perhaps some of you forgot. Perhaps some of you were completely unaware. But what I want to do today is we're going to spend some time in different ways Talking, praying, worshipping, and trying to find out actually what's God saying to us about the next few years. And we're saying five years because that means it takes, takes us beyond the kind of known. So I'm currently here for a total of three years. That might be longer, but it's definitely three years whilst I'm a student minister. It, that, that bit hopefully won't change. 
But after three years, things could be different. So we don't want to just focus on the time that I'm here, but we need to look beyond, beyond my personality, beyond the things that I can do. It also needs to be something that we can get hold of. So we don't want to think, well, in 20 years' time, what do we want? Because some of us in 20 years' time, well, we're thinking, Lewis, how old are you now? Nine. Can you imagine what life is going to be like when you're 29? Yeah? Yeah, you know where you're going to be living, you're going to have a wife and children. Your mum's now thinking, oh my goodness. <laughs> Some of us are thinking, golly, when our children are 29, how old will... No, let's not go there. So it's a bit too far ahead. So we just, we wanted to have a time frame that made it something that we could grasp hold of, but also that we could dream a little bit and go, well, it, what are the possibilities? Today... It's kind of the beginning. Well, it's, it's part of a conversation. We've already been talking. I've, I've met with different people already. We've been talking already. I know people have got ideas and things they think about the church, things that we do. So it's part of an ongoing conversation. Today, we're not going to come to the end of today and go, this is our vision. But hopefully, it will start to shape and we'll start to put things together that might become part of our vision. When this church first started, back in 1900, I know that there might have been a couple of people that we think were around. Nobody, in fact, was around then, okay? But things around here were very different. I am told that over the years, more houses have been built. Apparently, if I'd lived where I live now, or at least on the other side of the road, if I'd lived on one of the houses on the other side of the road, I'd have seen a donkey in the back garden, because one of the neighbours had a donkey. Now, I, I don't know about you, but that's not something I see very regularly nowadays. So things have changed. People do different jobs and all that sort of thing. Now, I've, I've done some reading. There's two things that I read. One is called the Usually Ward Profile, which is all very interesting. But it tells us, because the government's done you know, surveys and things, it tells us how this area has changed over the years. And just looking over a 10-year period, and it tells us that actually, there's three main things that I picked up from it. One, that there's loads more families here than there used to be, apparently. But also that it's become very multicultural. So in this area, 10, 15 years ago, it was predominantly white people that lived around here, around in the neighbourhood, around the church. Now, I think I read it was something, there was about 60 different languages are spoken within the Usley Ward alone, which is pretty phenomenal. 60 different languages. Now, I can probably name about 10 different languages. I can speak one fairly well. I've got various words in others to try and be polite. But I, I, so that's changed. So we might need to think, well, how do we change in light of that? I've also read the Usually Baptist Church Refocus Consultation from 2012. Now, some of you were here then, and you know what was said. Some of you were here then and have forgotten what was said. And some of you weren't here because things have changed. So we might draw on some of those things. The changes that could happen in our local area could be quite significant. We've got Crossrail coming in. Now, there's the potential because of that, because there's a quick access or quicker access into central London, that we'll have particular businesses that want to be based here so they can get in and out of London. So that might change the area. There's discussions about HS2 and Heathrow expansions. Depending on what happens with those things, the area could change. Different people might end up here. So we need to kind of have those things in mind. Our country has changed. 
Now, I go to college, so I get to learn about these things and spend a particular amount of time studying them. And one of the things that's changed is that we used to live in a country... When this, when this church was first started, back in 1900, most people went to church. That was how it was. Most people went to church. And so the things that were taught in church were different from the things that we need to think about and consider now. People knew their Bibles because it was just part of cultural life. Back in the day, everyone attended church. Now, predominantly, it's only people who are Christians, or at least on a journey towards becoming a Christian that attend church. Most people in our society do not. When everyone was going to church, there was no need to do outreach and mission because well, everyone was in church. Now there's a need to do outreach and mission because if we believe that we've got the good news that we want to share, then we need to share it. Over the years, denominations have declined. People are no longer worried about whether you're an Anglican or a Baptist or a Methodist. People are going to free churches and non-denominational churches. There's, there's two churches. In fact, does anyone know how many churches there are, including this one between here and St. Matthew's at the end of the road. So I've given you two. How many more churches are there? How many in total? Okay, so someone goes for four. So we've got four. Vote for four. Higher or lower? I feel it's become a game. I know of five. There's us. There's the Methodist church. There's the Anglican church. There is also a church that meets in the Methodist church at a different time called Harvest Church. And there's a church that meets in Key House called the Redeemed Christian Church of God. That's five churches in 200 yards. And the two that have grown recently, one is from a newer denomination. One is a non, doesn't have a denomination. Things have changed. As society changes, the church needs to identify the things that we can change but also the things that we can't touch. There's certain things about us, about being a Christian, about being a church, that we shouldn't change. And that is important. I want to read something from Matthew. Matthew chapter 26. Verse, beginning at verse 36, says this. This is Jesus, and he's gone to pray just, just before he's arrested and goes to the cross. says this. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed, sorry to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground. He prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus' prayer just before dying on the cross was God, not my will, but yours. The human side of Jesus, I think, didn't want to go to the cross. Because who does? But the bit that focused on the Father knew there was a bigger picture, and he was prepared to sacrifice himself in order to fulfill the Father's will. The Father could see the bigger picture. He knew what was to come. A more well-known passage, perhaps, is Matthew 6, beginning at verse 5, which is the Lord's Prayer. It says, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street, corners to be seen by men. 
I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your God knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not my will be done, not our will be done, but God's will be done. So today, as we think about our vision, I want it to be us thinking about the vision that God gives us. So I, I got two questions that I just want to make sure that we've got in our minds, in our hearts, at the start of today. First of all, whose vision and whose will? Whose vision and whose will? Simply, not our will, but God's will. Not our vision, but God's vision.